0: We're going to continue on with our focus on different aspects of the teachings, the words of the Lord Jesus. Uh, We started out actually on on Wednesday night at the prayer meeting talking a little bit about uh, some things Jesus said about prayer, about how we obtain spiritual power by asking God for help. And then Thursday night uh, we talked about Jesus' words concerning our friendship with Him, that He calls us His friends. And then, uh, last night, we talked about Jesus' words regarding His, his radical expectations for His followers. Um, and He expects a lot of us, if we're going to be Christians, He, he talked, about, talked about hating our family. He talked about dying to ourselves, about giving up our own possessions, and so on. And and so that leads to the question that I'd like to confront today, and that is, how in the world do we live such a life? How in the world can the likes of us live this impossible life that, that the Lord Jesus describes for us? He says, I want you to live this way. And we say, we say Lord, that is, so, that is so far from what I am now. How is this possible? How can I do that? How can anyone do this? All these things run so contrary to the way we naturally are, the way we naturally handle stuff. And, and so let's just admit right off uh, that everything we talked about last night is impossible. It's plumb impossible for us as we naturally are just in our own strength we cannot do this and Jesus of course agrees with that he says apart from me you can do nothing you can't do this this is impossible this is a supernatural kind of life but praise God we are not left apart from him we're not apart from him but we have him we're like like little branches plugged into the vine And the life of Christ comes surging into our souls every day. That's our great hope here. Christ himself has promised great help, supernatural resources for every one of his people. And and so on the one hand, there are these really hard, really radical, really extreme things that Jesus calls us to do. But on the other hand, the Lord Jesus Himself supplies sufficient, gloriously full supplies of grace and help to us in order to live that kind of life. There are unimaginably huge, glorious resources. The treasures that the brother read from... from uh, Ephesians chapter 1, there's divine grace provided to every believer making this impossible life possible, possible for the likes of us, possible for the weakest of saints to live in the ways that the Lord Jesus has described. And so today we're going to be exploring those great resources that Christ has promised to every believer. And we're going to talk about Jesus' promises to us covering seven different areas. So we're not just going to have one text uh, this morning, uh, but we're going to move around. Feel free uh, to follow along in your Bibles or not as we, as we go through these things. But often it's helpful to see it in your own Bible uh, for it to stick in your mind. Seven promises from Jesus. For, for running this race that's been set before us. So the first promise is that you'll be helped by the indwelling Holy Spirit. You will be helped by the Holy Spirit in living this life. So turn in your Bibles, if you'd like, to John chapter 14. We'll start there. John chapter 14. And we'll begin reading at verse... 16. John 14, 16, so it's the night before Jesus' crucifixion, and He's preparing His disciples to do ministry after He has gone back to heaven. He's not going to be physically with them, but He gives them this great encouragement. John 14, 16, I will ask the Father, and He will give you another Helper, that He may be with you forever. See, Jesus was the original Helper. Right? Jesus was with his disciples for those 3 years. He was helping them with everything. He was teaching them everything. And he says, "Don't worry. I'm going to give I'm going away, but I'm going to give you another helper, another helper like himself." And and not just one temporarily, but one he says who will be with you forever. And so who is this helper? Who does Jesus mean? Well, the next verse, verse 17, that is the Spirit, the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him. See, lost people do not understand this. Lost people don't understand the Spirit. They've not experienced this. This is something only Christians know. He goes on, but you know him because He abides with you and will be in you. So the Holy Spirit will indwell every Christian, will help every Christian from the inside to live the Christian life. If you want to turn the page over to John chapter 16, um, we get a little more on this. John 16 verse 7, Jesus says, "...but I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away." For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send Him to you. Now this is a shocking thought. He says it is to your advantage. You guys are going to be better off with me up in heaven than having me here on earth. Because when I go back to heaven, I will give you the Holy Spirit. It's to your advantage. It's to your benefit to have the Spirit even compared to having Jesus physically on earth with us. What a great blessing this is. That's how important, how valuable the ministry of the Spirit is to the saints. This also connects to something Jesus said earlier back in John chapter 7. Uh, You're probably familiar with this. He says, he who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. And, and so what does that mean? Well, what's, what are these rivers? Well, the, John explains in the next verse, John 7, 39, but this Jesus spoke of the Spirit, whom those who believed in Him were to receive, for the Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. So, so this Jesus says that after the Spirit is poured out on the church at Pentecost, that all believers all believers would experience the spirit ministering within their souls and that ministry would be so significant that it would be rivers of living water not just little drops and trickles rivers of living water and the inner man it's glorious um, years ago, I did I did a little study that has has probably done me as much good as anything I've ever studied. I, I simply put together a list of all the ways the Bible says the Holy Spirit helps Christians, all the way the all the ways the Spirit ministers to us, and and it's a long list of things. Uh, and I thought I just I just I just read this list quickly for you to remember, recall all the ways that the Indwelling Spirit is helping us as Christians all the time it's the spirit who convicts of sin and righteousness and judgment that's how we how we ever come to christ in the first place it's the spirit who who causes us to be born again it's the spirit who reveals the glory of christ the spirit assures believers of their salvation the spirit enables true worship the spirit helps us to pray the spirit sanctifies us producing the fruit of the spirit Uh, The Spirit empowers our Gospel witness. You're having difficulty witnessing to people. You need more of the help of the Spirit to do that. The Spirit distributes and energizes all spiritual gifts. The Spirit gives guidance in decisions. The Spirit reveals and teaches us truth. The Spirit gives us words when we need to speak to people. The Spirit provides wisdom, the Spirit gives comfort, the Spirit casts out demons, the Spirit performs physical healing, the Spirit strengthens our inner man, the Spirit unites all believers. This is the ministry of the Holy Spirit given to us. Jesus says this will be like rivers of living water within you as the Spirit is doing these things in your life. Uh, what a glorious thing. This, this is for you. This same Spirit between, is within me, within you, within all the saints, all of history. If you're saved, He is mightily helping us in all these ways. Now that is massively encouraging. The indwelling Holy Spirit. We could stop right there and have enough to be really encouraged today. But that's just the first promise. So we'll, we'll move on. The second, second promise to encourage us in this Christian life is that you'll enjoy loving fellowship with the Father and the Son. You'll enjoy fellowship with the Father and the Son. If you're still in the Gospel of John, just turn over to chapter 14 again. Uh, Jesus is teaching His disciples In verse 21, John 14, 21, He who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him, and I will disclose myself to him. So what words these are? It says you'll be loved by the Father and loved by the Son, And the son will disclose himself. He'll reveal himself. He will give you a special personal knowledge of himself. You'll know him. You'll know the Lord. Then verse 22, Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, what then has happened that you are going to disclose yourself to us and not to the world? So this is clearly something exclusively for believers. Verse 23, Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him. And now get this part. We will come to him and make our abode with him. I mean, that gives me chills. Isn't that wonderful? The Father and the Son will come to you and not just come to you for a brief visit on special occasions, but come to you for a lifetime of fellowship. We will come to you, he says, and make our abode with you. Jesus is talking about an ongoing experience of God's own near loving presence with each believer. We talked on Thursday about how Jesus calls us friends, but we're not just friends, we're family. <laughs> In Matthew chapter 12, remember that time Jesus' mom and brothers were out looking for Him while He was off teaching a bunch of people. And, and Jesus stops the teaching and, and He stretches out His hand to His disciples and they're, they're listening there and says, Behold, my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven, he is my brother and sister and mother." Another verse that's encouraging along this lines. in John 15 verse nine, it says, "This is Jesus again speaking. He says, "Just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love." So Jesus compares His love for us with God the Father's love for God the Son. He says in the same way, I've loved you that much. And then He goes on, abide in My love. <laughs> Just abide in it. Just enjoy it. Just don't mess it up. Man, this reality that we experience God's presence, we experience the personal nearness of the living God with us. Uh, This this ongoing pattern of spiritual interaction with the living God Himself in loving fellowship. This is a huge part about how, how we can live the Christian life, even the difficult parts of the Christian life, how we can live that with joy. With joy. Why? Because God is with us. Uh, and and you, you read that always in the, in the stories of the martyrs and the missionaries and stuff. The ones that are doing this really, these really hard things for Christ. You, you think, how can anybody endure all that? How can, how can somebody go joyfully to be burnt at the stake? You know, How? Well, it's because God is with them. The living Christ is wonderfully real them throughout the whole ordeal real to such an extent giving them this supernatural love and joy and peace that overcomes the most adverse of circumstances but this promise is not just for extreme situations I mean Jesus is saying this is normal Christianity this is to be expected by all believers he'll come to all of us like this he'll love all of us this way and really, if you subtract this part of Christianity, if you subtract the personal loving fellowship of the Father and the Son from Christianity, you know what we're, we're left with? We're just left with sort of this grind of dutifulness. I'm just keeping these rules. I'm just doing this stuff. And you lose the happy, sweet, singing sweetness That the Bible describes as the Christian experience. So this is absolutely crucial. It's not just an extra little add-on. This is at the heart of victorious Christian living. A third promise uh, for us from the Lord Jesus in in living the Christian life the way He describes. He promises that our prayers will be answered. Our prayers will be answered. Um, and, And this one also is in John John 14, a little earlier in the chapter, up in verse 13, is where I want to read. John 14, verse 13, whatever you ask in my name, that will I do, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. So Jesus is comforting His disciples with this promise that even though He's going away from them, they can't just just come and talk to Him about their their needs and problems like they were used to doing uh, as as they just walked along and interacted every day. He's leaving them physically but they can still come to Him. They can still ask Him for everything they need just as if He was right there with them physically. He's still going to give them whatever they need. He says, just ask for it. Just ask for it. Not just ask for a few special category of things. No, He says, ask for anything. Ask for whatever. Just come to Me. Just ask. And He promises, I'll do it. I'll give you these things. Now, if this was the only only big promise Jesus gave us about prayer. Then then that would be really great. We'd just we'd really camp out here. We'd put this verse on all of our refrigerators and and this this would mean a lot to us. But but he doesn't just say it once, right? It's, it's like, obviously, we have a hard time believing this promise, and so to help us, help us really get the message, he repeats it a bunch of times, right? As he, as he talks with his disciples just over the next few pages. So John 15, verse 7, uh, he says, Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Then John 15, verse 16, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give to you. And turn to chapter 16, John 16, verse 23, if you ask the Father for anything in my name, he will give it to you. Until now you have asked for nothing in my name, ask and you will receive so that your joy may be made full. We just, he just says it over and over. Just ask. Ask for anything. I'll give it to you. I'll take care of you. Don't worry about it. And add, add, add to, what it, to this what He says in the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 7, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone, everyone who asks, receives. He who seeks finds. He who knocks it will be opened. What man is there among you when his son asks for a loaf? will give him a stone. Or if he asks for a fish, we'll give him a snake, will he? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give what is good to those who ask him? The same idea. Just ask. Expect. You'll receive. I'll take care of you. And then remember that, that Jesus told those two parables about the power of persistence in prayer, right? That you pray and not lose heart. The one about the widow with the unjust judge. The one about the, the, the friend knocking on the neighbor's door at midnight. And, and, and in both cases, they obtained exactly what they needed as a result of simply asking and continuing to ask. So, so this reality that God answers our prayers is an absolutely massive encouragement. Whatever your need, whatever your need in the Christian life, you can take it to the Lord. He just says, ask. Ask and I'll give. Ask and I'll take care of you. He will provide in the wisest possible way. A fourth promise that our Lord gives us also found in John 14. Uh, This is verse 12. Uh, John 14 verse 12. Um, It says... Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me, so this is a promise for all believers, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do, because I go to the Father. This is a promise that your work will be successful. Your work for the Lord will be successful. And and really, this is a breathtaking promise. I mean, it seems to go too far, really. And and you guys might have some thoughts about this later. How do we we interpret this? Um, Because it's so big. He says, you do the works I do and greater works than these. Like, What in the world? I, I mean, nobody did bigger miracles than Jesus. Nobody preached better sermons than Jesus. Uh, but but it is true that Jesus' apostles had more success than Jesus in terms of spreading the gospel, in terms of making converts, in terms of uh, affecting the whole Roman Empire as they went out and, and proclaimed Christ. And so their works were definitely greater in that sense. And as far as what was accomplished and and I think we can take this verse at least as a promise to ourselves that that the Lord Jesus will prosper our works he wants us to to work effectively for him to accomplish things for his his glory and and this will happen Jesus says because he goes to the father I think that's a crucial part of this. He says, your works will be successful because I'm going to the Father. I'm ascending to heaven to the Father's right hand. And what's He going to do there? He's going to pour out the Spirit at Pentecost. We already talked about the Spirit's ministry. And He's going to be there to hear and answer our prayers, to intercede for us as we already talked about as well. Therefore, He says, you and I can accomplish surprisingly great works for Christ. Now maybe you're not going to accomplish the things for Christ that you imagine you're going to accomplish. You might. We all have various hopes and dreams and, and things that may or may not be His will. Uh, but the Lord will give each of us unique ways to serve Him. We yield ourselves to Him. Our works will be effective. Um, we can expect that. Um, significant things will be accomplished by you. Brother, sister, significant things will be accomplished through you in your Christian life. Now I think a lot of the stuff that the Lord's doing through us, we're oblivious to. We don't see it. and That's probably good for us in terms of our pride or whatever. Um, but but I, I suspect when we get to heaven, we'll, we'll learn something of all the ways that the Lord used each of us in our Christian lives I, I think some of our conversations actually uh, among ourselves among us guys anywhere the last last few days we've shared some of these things and and talked I think yesterday we we're talking about just uh, the the ordinary kinds of Christians that have been really used in our lives and 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 they they didn't they didn't look like impressive people or whatever they weren't big celebrity preachers or something but God was using them they were just faithful where they were and and they affected people and those ripples have just gone out from their lives to touch thousands of other lives it's it's amazing how this how this works and and so again i I suspect from from heaven's vantage point we'll be able to see more that how the lord is using us just on a day-to-day basis as we're just being faithful to him serving the saints sharing the gospel and so on we'll be stunned at how much the Lord is using us. That's a fourth promise. Your work for the Lord will be successful. And then a fifth promise, that you'll have authority over satanic powers. You'll have authority over satanic power. And and for this one, we can go to the Gospel of Luke. uh, Luke chapter 10, where we have Jesus talking about this. Luke chapter 10, this is after Jesus sent out the 70 evangelists. They would go before Jesus to different cities where Jesus was going to be ministering in the future. And, and we, we can read in verse 17 of Luke 10 the, the results of their first ministry attempt. Uh, the 70, it says, returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. So they, they discovered that when they invoked the name and the authority of Christ, that, that they could even command evil spirits. And those demons would have to obey them. And they're, and they're delighted by this, uh, this, this power that Christ has given them. The next verse, Jesus answers, He says to them, I was watching Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall injure you. And I think it's notable, this is not just a command given to the 12 apostles, but it's a command given to the 70 evangelists. Certainly, not, not, sorry, I said command, I mean it's a promise. It's an authority that he gives. And, and it's something that we can say, surely Jesus, you're giving that to your whole church. This is for us. Um, we have this authority in the name of Christ over all the power of the enemy we all know something of the devil and his work throughout our throughout our culture here in here in your city in particular all the ways that we feel the enemy opposing us personally all the challenges that we face as believers that way but our lord assures us of victory it says over all the power of the enemy i mean that's comprehensive that's broad promises that he gives us and and it's not because we are powerful at all but it's because the lord jesus has defeated satan utterly defeated him at the cross and in his resurrection Um, praise god for that and he then shares that victory with us giving all believers authority to represent Him, to act in His name, even to command demons when necessary. Despite all Satan's opposition, Christ assures us He will build His church. And the gates of of hell, Hades, will not overpower it. Authority over satanic power. A sixth promise for our encouragement in this life. And that is that your sacrifices for Christ will be rewarded. The promise of reward from the Lord Jesus. Um, We can can look for this one in, in the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew 10 and verse 41. Matthew 10 verse 41. Jesus says, He who receives a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. He receives a righteous man, in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. And whoever in the name of a disciple gives to one of these little ones even a cup of cold water to drink, truly I say to you, he shall not lose his reward. Jesus is saying that every good thing we do for people because we're Christians, because they're Christians, everything we do uh, in the name of Christ, even the smallest of actions, those things are being noticed. Things nobody else notices, nobody else keeps track of. The Lord is noticing, and the Lord is keeping track of those things. And he says that there will be future reward for that. He said something similar about enduring persecution. Remember a Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, uh, verse 11. He says, blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. He says you're blessed if all that happens. He says, rejoice and be glad for your reward in heaven is great. Persecution leads to reward. Reward in heaven. The same thing is true of giving. Our giving leads to reward in heaven, Jesus says. Um, uh, He says it later on in that same sermon. Matthew 6 verse 20. Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. There's future reward. But actually, He says, that not all rewards are in the future not all rewards are experienced in heaven some rewards are experienced right now in this life and this is this thought he comes out in mark chapter 10 and verse 28 peter uh, speaking to jesus peter says behold we have left everything and followed you so peter's pointing out we're really sacrificing to live the christian life this is pretty hard stuff And Jesus gives him some encouragement. He says, "Uh, Truly I say to you, there is no one... So this is a promise for everybody. There's no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or farms for my sake and for the gospel's sake, but that he will receive a hundred times as much now in the present age. Houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and farms... Along with persecutions, that's part of it too. And in the age to come, eternal life. So there, is, there are present day rewards as well of being a Christian. I, I, think, I think a lot of, a lot of this, this blessing comes from being part of the church. I think that's where we get this, this new family and these, these new farms and properties. Why? Because the saints of God are sharing them with us. But it is a comfort whenever you are feeling the cost of following Jesus. The stuff we talked about last night. Uh, To remember our Lord's Lord's encouragement that He sees it. He sees it. He sees the cost. He knows what we're going through. He's promised, I'm going to reward you. I'm going to reward you a lot in this life. I'm going to bless you in this life in all kinds of ways. And and in the, the life to come. Treasures in heaven whatever that means we can talk later about what that means what form the rewards come but certainly there are rewards for it. we're going to get to heaven and be really glad for whatever we did for christ in this life his grace is so lavish he doesn't just give us heaven but he he piles piles rewards upon us as well so so far then uh covered six promises from jesus the promise of the, 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 the multifaceted help of the Holy Spirit. That was the first one. And then secondly, the, the promise of, of loving fellowship with the Father and the Son. I'll, they'll make their abode with us. Uh, and then thirdly, the promise that your prayers will be answered. Fourthly, the promise that your work will for Christ will be successful. Fifthly, the promise that you'll have authority over satanic power. Sixth, the promise of reward. And then finally, the seventh promise. And that is the promise of heaven. That you'll be with Christ forever in glory. And I think my favorite text on this is is Jesus' words in John 14. I suspect suspect most of us are familiar with those, those verses. John 14, verse 1. He says, Do not let your heart be troubled. And so this is something to encourage us when we're tempted to have troubled hearts. He says, think of this. Don't let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. Don't you like that part? It's like, well, you know, can't we trust Jesus to tell us the truth about this? If it were not so, I would have told you. For I go to prepare a place for you. And so Jesus, it seems like right now, is preparing our heavenly homes for us. Verse 3, If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to Myself, that where I am, there you may be also. There's a lot we don't know about what heaven is like, but we know it's where Jesus is, and we'll be with Him in that place He's prepared the difficulties of our life right now they are real they can be painful Um, we suffer in all kinds of ways as we go through our life here on earth but Jesus always wants us looking forward looking forward to the glory that's coming you read through the new testament that theme is there all the time when when suffering saints are being encouraged, persecuted saints are being encouraged, they're saying, think of heaven. Think of how, the, how the, the sufferings of this present time not worthy to be compared with the glory that will be revealed in us one day. We're, we're heading to glory. We'll be in the glory really, really soon. Uh, whenever this earthly life ends, and, and, and for, for you or me that might, that might be Really soon, it might be 50 years down the road for some of you guys. Uh, but when it ends, that very day, that very day, we'll be with Jesus in paradise. It's like He told the thief on the cross. And then at Christ's second coming, we'll be resurrected. We'll be given glorified bodies, like Christ's own glorified body, and we'll live with Him. A perfect remade world in a new heavens and new earth forever and ever. And so this reality of the coming glory, it should be a comfort to us. Whatever the seasons of hardship are that we're going through, they're they're all comparatively short. Even if you've got some chronic, miserable disease that will be with you for the rest of your life, it's still very, very short compared to eternity which is very, very long and wonderful. What joy is ahead for us. Yes, there's work to be done now. Yes, there's a battle to be fought now. But this isn't the end. This is just a short time. Be faithful for a little while. says, I've laid up for you a crown of life that you'll lay hold of soon. Perfect rest with Jesus is coming very soon. Work hard now. Rest forever with the Lord then. He wants us to be thinking that way. He doesn't want us troubled. He wants us us looking forward to the glory to be shared with our Savior. Well, as I've reflected on these seven fantastic promises lately, I think the obvious application is that we just need to remember them. We need to remember what Jesus says. We we need to believe them. We need to believe what he says. These, this is true. I mean these these are simple texts. There's not there's not a lot of complicated interpretation. Most of what we've read here. He just says it. He just says it. He just spells it out for us in a matter-of-fact way. We need to remember these things. We need to believe these things. And we need to Use them. We need to live in light of these promises. We need to use them in our prayers. Pray these promises back to the Lord. Say, Lord, you promise this. You promise this. Therefore, give me help that I need. We need to expect that Christ will fulfill his own words in our lives. He will do what he says. He's faithful. Of course he'll do these things. He doesn't, didn't just throw out a bunch of promises and walk away. He's been faithfully keeping those promises for all these centuries. These are good promises to remind each other about as well. As we're, we're interacting with, with our brothers and sisters in the context of the church to say, you know, you've got... You've got uh, your brother here that's going through a rough times all beat down and discouraged say lord remember what jesus said about this remember what he said about that To to bring keep bringing one another back to the encouragements of christ for us that's a wonderful ministry that kind of encouragement it's like it's like this morning we've in just talking about these seven promises it's it's like we're we're sort of peeking into these seven little treasure chests and are laid in front of us but they're not little not little treasure chests they're gigantic ones and but the but the question is are we just going to peek into it and close the lid or are we going to we going to enter into the treasure that's there make it a part of our lives that that makes all the difference in the world if if we just forget forget about the great promises of our lord then they don't help us they don't encourage us they don't stir up our faith like they should. See, the devil doesn't mind too much that you heard these words today from the Bible. And he doesn't even mind too much if you, if you mark some of these verses in your Bible. But, but the thing that, that will really scare the devil is when we start believing these things and living in them and, 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 and make these, these things just a part of our thinking. Say, the Lord's promised this to me. He's going he's to help me. He's going to be with me. He's promised this kind of relationship. He's promised this kind of spiritual power for me. Yes, I'm, I'm called to live this kind of impossible, sort of difficult life, but He's given me all these resources to do it. And so I can trust in Him. I can rely on Him. Oh, when that happens, that's transformational. For us as believers, just walking in the in the these straightforward promises that Jesus has given to us. These things are true of us. These are for, for all believers. You can lay hold of this for you personally. See, the devil's not too too afraid if you're, if you're sitting here thinking, well, I bet these promises will work for our pastors. You know, these these guys, maybe they'll work for them, but but when you realize, no, these promises are for you. For, Every Christian, for the, for the, if you consider yourself the weakest Christian, you know these promises are for you from the Lord Jesus. It's such treasure, such riches that He has is, he is given to us. So take these promises and apply them in the specific things in your life, the specific burdens, specific difficulties, I, I just know the, the just the, the slightest amount about your all's lives for being being with you. But but I but I know every one of us have burdens. We've got things that we've that you've prayed a lot about this week. That things that concern you. Things about the future that concern you. Things about the present that concern you. Things going on in your family, going on in your church. Consider what God's wonderful promises say to you in those areas. Apply it right there. Make it practical that's so honoring to Christ when you do that <laughs> one final thought i've just i've just encouraged this morning thinking thinking that of all the millions of saints that have had the same bible we have the last 2000 years these these chapters in the four gospels that we've looked at these are these are some of the most read chapters in the in the bible and so, all the millions of saints that have read these same words and thought about these same words and applied these same promises in their lives and found them to be effective, found Christ to be. Faithful to keep His Word. Think about all the, all the saints of God, the millions and millions of saints of God that have trusted Christ to keep His Word in these areas and found Him to be faithful. Found Him to be just as good as what He says here. And, and, uh, and we can do the same thing, right? We can, we can join in line with our brothers and sisters down through the centuries. They've trusted Christ before us. and gone on to heaven, part of this great cloud of witnesses to encourage us forward. Amen.